Hi Steve, it's James from the UK here. I wanted to say congratulations on getting to show 101. I knew you'd make it. And you know what they say, the first 100 are the hardest. So keep up the great work and God bless. Hey, Kermit Frog here, and uh, I'd like to say that I listen all the time to the Live Spring Podcast. And here's your host, Mr. Steve Webb. He's such a nice guy, you know. <laughs> Celebrity voice impersonated. How you doing? Welcome. Welcome to LifeSpring. And I am your host, Steve Webb. Hey, this show's for you if you're wondering about God, if you're curious about Jesus, or if you're just looking for hope. And if you already know Jesus is the one you rely on, you have found a place to kick off your shoes and relax just a little bit too. And today, maybe even be challenged a little bit. Remember, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, or your station in life. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Life Springs about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life this very day. What will you find here? Well, of course, you'll find music, conversation, and reasons to believe as we hit you right between the ears with the message of hope, love, and good news. Hey, keep this number handy, would you? If you hear something in the show today that you want to comment on, pick up the phone and leave a message. Put this in your phone right now, 206-350-CALL. All right, we're going to get right into it today because actually it's probably going to end up being a bit of a long show. I had planned on making a short show today because last week's show 100 was sort of a long one. And uh, so, as it turns out, I got an email this morning, and we're going to be talking about that. Um, actually, you know, the, the email that I got just really brought up several emotions, primarily sadness and anger. Not anger at the writer of the email, don't get me wrong, but those were the two emotions. So listen to the show today, hang on, and I'll tell you what that's all about. You know about the Earthlink Challenge? Well, here is finalist number seven. Sounds like your computer just got broken into by hackers. What you need is Earthlink Protection Control Center. With free antivirus and firewall protection, Earthlink Protection Control Center helps keep you safer online. Earthlink, our protection revolves around you. I have a good friend. His name is Trevor Carpenter. He's got a really cool podcast called The Scribe Music Show, and he's got a contest going. Uh, so Scribe Music Show is SMS, and so when he says SMS in the promo, you'll know what he's talking about. Here we go. Scribe Music Show Grand End of the Summer Contest is upon us. Now listen carefully so that you will be eligible to win one of my huge prize packs. The prize packs will include CDs from some of the top SMS artists. 
What do you have to do to win? Well, let me tell you. Simply go see any artist that's been played on the Scribe Music Show. Yep, that's it. The listeners who attend the most concerts will win. Well, how do you prove it to me? Well, just get a picture of yourself with the artist or band and email it to contest at scribemusicshow.com. I'll award prize packs to the top three listeners. And when we're all done, I'll post all of the photos in a new SMS gallery at scribemusicshow.com. Check out the SMS website for all of the info on the contest. And be sure to check past episodes of the Scribe Music Show and see the show notes for information on all of the SMS artists that I've played. You'll never know who's going to be performing in your area. Uh, now all submissions must be emailed by the time Dependable Deanna, my wife, gives birth to our fourth child. Her due date is September 11th, so you have some time still. But she could go early. Be sure to stay tuned to the Scribe Music Show at scribemusicshow.com. The grand end of the summer contest has begun. All right, so check that out. Scribemusicshow.com. I'm sure he's got some super music for you because he plays some fantastic music on his show. So, excellent. Trevor's a great guy. I went to a, a concert with him a few weeks back and uh, really got to know him well. Uh, we've been emailing back and forth uh, for a long time, well, ever since, I think, actually before he even started his podcast. Not quite sure when we started uh, emailing, but uh, good guy, good guy, excellent. And, of course, don't forget GoDaddy. GoDaddy, the LifeSpring discount codes, LS1, LS2, and LS3. Save big bucks. <laughs> uh, for all the details, check them out at LifespringPodcast.com. All right, the email. Let me just say that I'm going to change the names or leave out names for privacy's sake. Now, the email starts off with a really complimentary note that I'm not going to bore you with, but to the writer, listen, thank you so much for what you said. I really consider that to be a very high honor indeed. I, I really do, and so thank you for that. All right, I'm going to read the letter now. He says, Tonight my wife and I watched a gospel music DVD. It was amazing until Pastor So-and-so came out for the, for the altar call. My wife and I haven't gone to church for a few years, even though we love Jesus and we're committed to him. My issue is that pastors drive me crazy because it seems to all be about them. I was a music minister for five years. I grew up in church. I went to Bible college. Being a Christian used to be the center of my life. I haven't lost my love of Jesus one bit, but I've completely lost my love of church. Watching a DVD tonight, or watching that DVD tonight, my wife and I were so touched, but then Pastor So-and-So came out and started talking about how giving up cigarettes would get me closer to God. I don't smoke, and I never have, but it just made me so mad. They said they was gonna cut out whiskey. They wasn't gonna let you have no wine. Now you preachers, deacons and class leaders, you getting drunk all up on moonshine. You know God don't like it. I know God knows they don't like it. Ooh, no, God knows they don't like it. I know it's a scandal. Sin and change 
some folks say that yellow coin will make some very good shine. But you'd better change that corn to bread and stop that drinking moonshine. You know, God don't like it. I know God knows they don't like it. Ooh, no, God knows they don't like it. I know it just can't let sin and shame. Now some people have the little Bible class. Nothing about that ain't wrong. But it got where we can't have a little Bible class. Father people all drunk on corn, you know, God don't like it. I know God knows they don't like it. Ooh, no, God knows they don't like it. I know it just can't let sin and wife and daughter both walking up and down the streets he can't tell his wife from daughter both dresses up above their knees women god don't like it i know god knows they don't like it who no god knows they don't like it. i know it's a scandal sin and shame see some preachers in the morning with they little brown derbies on for the sister can say rev won't you rest your hat honey is your husband gone rev god don't like it i know god knows it don't like it Ooh, no god knows it don't like it i know it's a scandal sin and shame Some men won't pay their grocery bills to let the house rent get behind. They won't even buy their wife, no. They don't drunk it all up moonshine, you know. God don't like it. I know God knows they don't like it. Ooh, no, God knows they don't like it. I know it's a scandal, sin and shame. You don't like Elder Tillis. I done made it up in my mind. I don't take back not a word I say. I done quit drinking moonshine because God didn't like it. I know God knows they don't like it. Ooh, no, God knows they don't like it. I know it's a scandal, sin and shame. Right. Well, what do you think about that? Well, the email continues. He says, I just don't understand pastors and their focus on telling people what they can do to get closer to God when Jesus' death and resurrection, as far as I'm concerned, did it all. Why aren't there churches that focus on loving God and loving each other instead of a pastor who knows it all? 
That's kind of a rhetorical question. I'm just missing the stuff I loved about church right now and hating the things I hate about it. Thanks for listening and being there for those of us who aren't connected to church anymore. Well, first let me say thanks for the email. I can't tell you how much it means to me that you'd bring this uh, issue to me. It really saddens me that you have this struggle. And, and listener, if if you're listening right now and, and you have this same issue or, you know, if you're wondering, you know, why is it that, that pastors say the things they say and, and uh, just listen. In addition to being saddened that you have this struggle, I'm also angered at those who have caused it. It shouldn't be that way. Now, in a follow-up email today, um, this person told me that there wasn't one particular person that caused this, but I think it must be an accumulation of things, and and it, it just really hurts me that this is an issue with so many people, but it is. So let's look a little closer at my response to some of these things that you've said. Now, before I start, I need to define a word, and that word is church. In the context that I'm going to be talking about today, church means the population of believers in Jesus. It's not a building or a particular denomination. It's the total collection of people who know Jesus as their Savior. Okay. Also, let me say that I planned on making the show short, like I told you. Now, if you need to listen to the show in chunks, you know, you can, you know, look at the tags and you can see how long this show is. And I don't know what it's going to net out being by the time I get done. But I understand if you can't listen to the whole thing, but I, in, in, in one sitting. But really, please listen to the entire show. Each point that I'm going to make builds on the previous and the message isn't done until it's done so please listen to the whole thing please all right now listen in regards to the email i agree with you 100 percent that jesus paid the price in full for restoring the relationship between man and god 100 percent He paid the price. That's the only price that needs to be paid to restore that broken relationship that man and God have because of our falling short, because of our weakness, because of our, and here's this word, sin. All right? As you well know, Scripture says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's love. And then it says, whoever believes in him. Whoever includes everybody. Doesn't leave anybody out. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What do you mean a lot? What what, what what do you mean by life? I'm talking about abundant, overflowing 
joyous life. And then another scripture says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Do you hear that? There is no condemnation for those that are found to be in Jesus. So, if a person loves Jesus and trusts him for their salvation, there is nothing that person can do to make Jesus, God, love him or her less. There's nothing that person can do to make Jesus love him less, and there is nothing that person can do to make Jesus love him more. Period. The New Testament, 1 John 4.18 says, God is love, not God loves. God is love. So I completely disagree with this pastor so-and-so if he thinks that smoking will make God love anyone less or erase their name from the book of life. I completely disagree that quitting smoking will make you closer to God. That also goes for drinking adult beverages or a list of other things that I could bring to you right now. But there is a rub. Will you be patient with me as I read some scripture? I don't usually read much scripture here, but today it's kind of necessary. I'm going to be looking at some verses from the New Testament, the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, in case you don't know, this book is a letter written to a church in the city of Corinth, which was in Greece. The letter was written, the letter was written by Paul, who was one of the early church founders and the writer of much of the New Testament in the first century. Corinth was, <laughs> Corinth was a wealthy city. Say that five times fast. Corinth was a wealthy city in the center of several trade routes. Because of its strategic location, there were many cultural influences. Now, does that sound at all familiar? Does that sound like even today, the United States or any other wealthy country? The Corinthian church was actually started by the writer of this letter, Paul. So he felt a certain responsibility for them. Paul started many churches in his travels, and as he was going about starting churches, he had received reports that there were some problems brewing in Corinth. And these problems are the subject of this book, 1 Corinthians. He begins the letter by spelling out to whom he is addressing his comments. He says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. All right, so he's talking to believers. Then he continues, Together with all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Together with those everywhere. You know what? That includes you and me. So Paul is writing not just to that church in Corinth, but he's talking to us. And then after that, he confirms their spiritual condition. He says, I always thank God for you because of this grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him, 
you have been enriched every in every way in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Okay, so in that he's saying, look, you guys are doing well. You, you, you have every spiritual gift that is needed. You're in good shape. But then Paul brings up a problem that he's heard about. And I think it must be the most important thing because it's the first issue he addresses. And the theme started here is continued throughout the letter. Listen, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. Then Paul asks a question, is Christ divided? Obviously, of course, the answer to that is a firm no. We're all followers of Christ, not men. Pastors are merely men. They have problems, just like you and me, with the very same weaknesses as we have. So why should we follow a pastor? Why do we have them? What good are they? Well, Let's look at the very first church leader. This is the one who Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church. You know who it was? It was one of the original twelve disciples. His name in English was Peter, which means rock. But not a big rock, like the rock of Gibraltar, but a, a piece of rock, like you can hold in your hand. When Jesus said this to Peter, it was near the end of his time here on earth, the end of Jesus' time. So he had been with and he knew Peter for about three years. And at the end of this three years, just before he was about to be given over for crucifixion, he takes Peter aside and he says, upon this rock and upon you, Peter, I'm going to build my church. So let's take a, a short look at this great church founder. He must have been a pretty impressive dude, right? I mean, if Jesus singled him out like this, if Jesus was going to use him as the one upon which the church would be built, he must have been a real spiritual giant, right? He must have had it all together. As my friend Dan Class would say, not so much. Peter was impulsive and his faith wavered. And he didn't have all the answers. Check this out. It was in the 20th verse of Matthew 16 that Jesus said that he would build his church. Okay, the 20th verse. Just three short verses later, after Jesus tells the disciples that he, Jesus, would be crucified, and then Peter says, no way, this can't happen to you. Just three verses later, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Wow, talk about a contrast. 
Right then, on the night that Jesus was tried and then crucified, Peter said three different times to three different people that he didn't know Jesus. He denied him. Some friend, huh? He even swore an oath on that last denial. said, no way, I don't know that guy. Huh. This is the guy that Jesus had said, I'm going to build my church on you. So if today's pastors fail, as they all do, let's remember that they're in good company. But let's get back to Peter here for a minute. On the third day after Jesus was crucified, he came back to life. To keep it short, let me just say that when the news came back to the disciples that the tomb where he had been laid was empty, Peter and another disciple, John, took off running to get a look. Now, John, being younger than Peter, got to the tomb first, but he didn't go in. He kind of just peered in from the doorway. He was, I guess, afraid. <laughs> but when Peter got there, he pushed John aside and he ran in to see. Uh, that's Peter, impulsive and emotional. <laughs> I really love Peter. He's an awful lot like I am. You say, okay, Steve, fine. We see that at the end of Jesus' life, Peter really blew it. And we see that after Jesus' death, he was anxious to see that, yes, Jesus' tomb was empty. Fine. But how do we know that Jesus didn't give up, give up on him after the three denials? How do we know that after those harsh words, get behind me, Satan, that Jesus didn't change his mind and just move on to the next disciple? Well, listen. Fifty days after Jesus was crucified an event known as Pentecost happened. That was the day when the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, began his very special work with believers. And on that day, which was an important Jewish holiday, so there were thousands of people in Jerusalem where the disciples were, when the, when the Holy Spirit began working in the hearts of these men, it was Peter who got up and preached to the crowds. And guess what? About 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus that day. <laughs> Do you think that Jesus forgave Peter? Will Jesus work through a flawed man? Of course. Let's also remember that the office of pastor or overseer is from the Bible. It's not something that we made up. It is part of the way that God intended for the church to be. And we see that in 1 Timothy and in Titus. Now, of course, the bar for their behavior is set very high. You can look it up in 1 Timothy 3, 1 and 2, and in Titus 1, 7. But guess what? Just as Jesus knew Peter's weaknesses when he told him that he would be the foundation of the church, God knows that our pastors will fail. Just as God's grace covers our failures and sins, it covers our pastor's sins, too. And remember, Jesus said that we have to be willing to forgive or we won't be forgiven. He said that if we won't forgive, he will use the same standard to judge us as we used to judge others. Now, I've been a part of several churches in my life. I've been active in nearly every church I've been a part of. 
and when you're active, when you begin to get close to the leadership of the church, you're going to see the warts of the leaders. I've had pastors that (laughs) had so many warts, spiritually speaking, that it was amazing to me that God kept them in their position as pastors. But make no mistake, it is God who puts the men in that position. And he can remove them. I've seen it happen several times. But as long as a man is in that spot, he is God's man. I think it's Psalm 105 that talks about the fact that um, we should not seek to harm God's anointed. By God's anointed, that means the one that God has chosen. We should not do anything to try to bring harm or uh, removal of a pastor in a situation just because we don't like them or if we disagree with them. Now, it's okay to go to them if you have questions. Absolutely okay. If you have a pastor that that, uh, won't let you question him, then maybe it's time to find another place. But it's not your job to get him removed. That's God's job, and he does do it. So, being God's man, does that make him something special? Nah, he's just the guy that's been picked for the responsibility. Well, does the responsibility and the ooh, ah reaction go to their heads? Yeah, sometimes. They are human, right? That's a human thing. Whenever somebody tells you how special you are, if you begin to believe that you're somebody special, you kind of get a big head. That's called pride, and that is a, a sin. And we all are um, vulnerable in that area. I was recently at an event where someone found out, you know, that, that who I was and, you know, that I had this podcast and blah, 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 blah. And it's funny. Uh, this person looked at me with eyes like, wow, we, you're somebody really special. And it's like, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just a guy that stands in front of a microphone. I'm, I'm not special. I'm not. Anytime God wanted, I would be gone from here. And that's okay. Because I trust him. But, yeah, sometimes pastors get a big head. They're human. But remember, listen, remember, Ephesians chapter 4, New Testament, says it was he, God. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It is God who said some are going to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. The reason is to build us up, to to educate us in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Okay, Attaining to the whole attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
All right, listen, I've been a believer now for about 36 years, and I still have not arrived. I still need my pastor. Now, you know, Paul, in his letter, wrote about needing each other. I need my pastor, and we all need each other. Listen now, this... Listen carefully. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down as much as I can. But I'm going to read several verses here. Paul says again to the Corinthians, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. And that body is the body of Christ, or the church. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. In other words, no matter what our background. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. We, were, we all had the Holy Spirit brought into us when we, when we became believers. Paul continues. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. In other words, just because I say I don't need the body doesn't mean that I don't need the body. All right? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, in other words, if we all were the same, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets. Here we go again, folks. Third, teachers, then workers of miracles, all those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? 
Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Of course not. Paul says, But eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. And then came one of the, the most read chapters in the Bible, often called the love chapter. The point of this section we've just read was that every part needs every other part. Now, I got to tell you, I have had a, I've had a difficult time with this myself. I've always been somewhat of an independent type. I'm not usually a team person. I'm not a joiner. I like, for example, individual sports like skiing and surfing. In high school, the only reason I was on the water polo team was so that I could stay in shape for the swim team, which is really just a collection of individual events. So, admitting and embracing the fact that I needed the rest of the body of Christ, or the church, was a long time coming for me. But today, from where I'm at, I see the benefit of getting together with other believers, of well, to use a common expression, of going to church. It's good to be with the family, <laughs> warts and all. There's a love and a bonding because of our common love, Jesus. As long as He is the focus, it's a good thing. Sure, there are stinkers in the bunch. <laughs> Maybe that's to remind us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We all stink, <laughs> but Jesus loves us. And the Bible says that we, the church, are his bride, singular. We are one. In his love, we are a unit. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. I don't even like it sometimes, but the fact remains. We are bound by the one whom we love. I need you. You need me. Now, as far as the message that if you'll just give up cigarettes or drinking or whatever, you'll be closer to God, listen again to Paul. Now, again, remember I said earlier, I disagree with that pastor so-and-so that said, if you give up those things, you'll get closer to God. Okay, but listen. I'll tell you what. Before I start, let me suggest that you get a pendulum swinging in your mind's eye, okay? It's swinging back and forth and back and forth. Now listen to what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 6. Paul says, everything is permissible for me. Pendulum swings, but not everything is beneficial. Pendulum swings. Everything is permissible for me. Pendulum swings. But I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food, Paul continues. But God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Keep that pendulum in your mind. Paul is, is contrasting one thing and then the other. 
one thing and then the other. He says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And then skipping to the 10th chapter, Paul continues the theme. Keep the pendulum going. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for, quote, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, unquote. Paul continues, he says, if some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it both for the sake of the man who told you and for your conscience's sake. The other man's conscience, I mean, not yours. For why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. For I am not seeking my own, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. He says, follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. You see, it's about balance. It's wrong to say that cigarettes will separate you from God, but it's also wrong to give your body over to them too. Cigarettes won't, won't separate you from God, but chances are really good that they'll mess up your body, which is the temple of God we just read. It ain't yours, and so it doesn't belong to you. You were bought with a price. Take care of it. Maintain it. Listen, you don't have to hate church. I'll bet you could find some place where the warts you have would be a perfect complement to the warts of the other people there. What I did when I found the church I attend is just go as a very broken, very hurting, and very humble sinner in need of the forgiving touch of Jesus. I found a group of believers who loved me and who loved Jesus and who found joy in worshiping him. Our pastor is the first to admit that he is right there with us. He doesn't have all the answers, and he's as much in need of that love as the rest of us. Listen, don't give up on it. The body of Christ is just not complete without you. We need you. Me here in California, and you there where you are. I need you.
for each hand A nail for both my feet It's difficult to breathe Vision is cloudy The shrouding at me Father, I'm bleeding There's blood It's almost over, but time on earth is through Before I give in, there is one thing I'll ask of you Forgive them, they know not what they do
Okay. A priest, a rabbi, and a minister decide to see who's best at his job. So they each go into the woods, find a bear, and attempt to convert it. Later they get together. <laughs> the priest begins, Well, when I found the bear, I read to him from the catechism and I sprinkled him with holy water. Next week is his first communion. I found a bear by the stream, says the minister, and preached God's holy word. The bear was so mesmerized that he let me baptize him right there. They both looked down at the rabbi, who's wrapped in a body cast. <laughs> Looking back, he says, maybe I shouldn't have started with the circumcision. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so, you know, some of the jokes are good and some of them are really bad. So, <laughs> hey, remember, show notes are at lifespringpodcast.com. The comment line is 206-350-CALL. Hey, I want to say thanks to everybody who sent in congratulations on show number 100. And also thanks to those podcasters who have voted over there at podcastpeers.org. Now listen, if you're a podcaster, go on over there and nominate or vote for all your favorite podcasts. It's really important to do that right now because the process closes on August 31st, 2006. Listen, if there are not enough nominees in a particular category, that category will be eliminated from the awards. The religion category is one of those categories that does not have enough nominees. Now, I'm extremely thankful that the LifeSpring show has enough votes at this point to qualify, but there are a few other really good shows there that need votes, and there's other shows that haven't even yet been entered. So please do that. If you're a podcaster, get over there, get registered, get validated, jump through their hoops, which are kind of a pain, but it's important, at least I think it is, because we want to have a, I think it's, it's, it's good to have a podcast peers award. Yeah, it's, it, it, it helps podcasting. It really does. And it helps each of the, each of the shows that uh, needs exposure to, to get it. So do that, all right? Hey, next week I've got a really fun show for you, guaranteed. It won't be as long as this show, but it's I have an interview with somebody that is just just a kick. I'll see you then. God bless you. This has been an In Touch Productions podcast. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow and Limelight.